Welcome to Everything Rodeo, where we separate champions from the rest of the crowd. We'll take you down the trail of someone's life, a long haul to a rodeo, and our everyday adventures. So brace yourself, because it's fixing to be a wild ride. We're your hosts, Nace Renfrey and Cody Stanley. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome once again to the Everything Rodeo podcast. This week we are not in the crawl space. We are in Heiko, Texas with Mr. Jim Stone. Thank you, guys. Thank you. There's a full crowd. There's a full crowd here. In the uh, saddle shop today. <laughs> yeah, we're on location here at Jim's shop. Jim, how long have you uh, been in Heiko? I've been here about 30 days. And I think we was here about five days after you arrived. <laughs> mm, maybe more like three. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when... Uh, we was here last time for Cody's match open and benefit for Caleb Berquist. And, yes, sir. Um, you came over to Cody's, and I was like, hey, that looks like uh, Stony," And I walked over and talked to you, and then you asked us to come over to the shop. So we came and looked around, and yep. nothing yes, was really set up. You had your tables kind of set up and everything, but yes, nothing the way you, you need it to. Oh, no. No, there's a lot more of nailing and screwing and cussing they had to go on yet. <laughs> but we've got it pretty much finished now the way you're seeing it. Uh I needed some more lights in here, but other than that, we're ready to go. And uh, what you see on these saddles behind me, that's what I've done in the last two weeks. Yeah. Well, all the lights, you said you got, you have about 30 lights here. You got all the extension cords maxed out. So I don't know how many more lights you can stick in here, but. We're going to find out, I'll bet you. <laughs> we might blow the circuit breaker in Heiko, the but. The fire department will figure that out. <laughs> it might not be code, but it's all right. It's my yeah. code. Yes, sir. <laughs> Sure. So you did have your saddle shop in, um, you were up in Wickenburg, Arizona. Yes, sir. What, I was there for about five and a half years. Okay. What brought you back down to Texas? Uh, Arizona. I wanted out. You said out of Arizona. <laughs> did you, would you say you had a lot of six, I mean, obviously there's, that's roping capital of the world up there. So it, it is in, um, uh, throughout the winter, but it's a feast or famine. Yeah. And so what happens there is, um, What's your longevity going to be when it only has those four or five months of really good business with everybody coming in? Yes, sir. You get a lot of exposure to a lot of people that are not going to find you elsewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. But by the same token, you got to make a living. And if you can't make a living there all the time, then you end up being a park ranger. Yeah, sir. And you're only good when the park's open. Mm -hmm. What What about with your two-year wait? Did that play any effect on... It on was the season, five year wait when I was up there. Okay, wow. Yeah, and because uh, I had a full retail store with all the clothing and stuff in yes, there, sir. and so now when they are all down there, because you have the snowbirds and mm -hmm. uh, the people that are not ropers, and they take up all your time, and I couldn't make near enough saddles, so I was just going backwards. And okay, that's not going to fly. Yeah, no, you know, and I knew I had to do something different. And uh, before I moved down there to Arizona. I came down here in 2016, um, and I went all over trying to find a place to put my business up that time, and I could not find one. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went back. At that time, I was up there close to Pendleton, Oregon, and what I did there was uh, mostly just the saddles. Had very, very little retail, and it worked out standing for me. But um, you didn't catch a lot of people around... Um, my order list 
they're not up there like they used to be years and years ago when I first started. Yeah. And um, my orders come mostly from um, the southern parts in the mid-states. Of course, Texas is good. California mm-hmm. is good. Um, man, Dakotas and Wyoming, all those are really, really good. Well, that's all a long ways for people to come ever see me in Station, Washington, or Oregon. Yeah. Right? So, and then the other deal is, well, I kind of like to rope, and you only get to rope up there for a short window of time. Mm-hmm. You know what it's like down here. Right. Uh, it's Every all the time. Weekend. Every yeah. weekend. Yeah. And so you don't have to have feast or famine. <clears throat> yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, and I mean, like, when you we was here last time, you said that people already knew that you'd moved down here and you hadn't told anybody. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those deals. Uh, it was really good for what I was after when I moved down there. Mm-hmm. I got a heck of a lot more orders. I got to see people I've known for 20 years, and all I ever did mm-hmm. was meet them on the phone. Yeah. yeah. So the exposure of that was just outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and also everybody that was asking about saddles and asking, because um, that's what they do first, is they had their horse there. Yeah. And they're there mm-hmm. not for just blowing through or there for a function and going on the merry way. They're there yeah. to stay for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you got to develop a little bit of a, a relationship with everybody. And, hey, let's go look at your ponies when we got a chance and do this mm-hmm. deal and talk about all this stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, me and you wouldn't know each other if you wasn't in Wickenburg. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was staying back up there probably, it was probably three years ago when I first yeah. met you. Sure was. And, um, you know, we, I was out there for a couple months you know, roping and stuff. And yeah. if, if your shop wasn't there and yeah. walk in, it was a rainy day and we yeah. sat in there and talked for three or four hours. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was a really good deal mm-hmm. to visit. Yeah. It sure hell didn't put any money in the till getting saddles made, did <laughs> <No>. it? <laughs> so that, that's a love hate relationship, but I think you need to have a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, of course, uh, Heiko here, it's a crossroads to some really big arenas, mm-hmm. you know, 20 miles this way, 20 miles that way. Yes, sir. Uh, and they're huge and they go all the time, all mm-hmm. week long, yes, every sir. weekend, all the deal. There's longevity. And of course, because of the exposure that I have, because I've uh, really worked a lot of the social networking a lot more so mm-hmm. over the years and everybody's more comfortable with it. They'll damn sure come find you. And they got a good reason, just like you and you came yeah. out here, Cody. Uh, yeah. You came out here because the roping's going on, and you got yep. to work out here, and uh, you want to get qualified for some ropings. Man, this is the place to come to. Yeah, it yes, is. You know, it really you is. You don't need to go clear to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. No, right. just come here, and it's affordable. Yeah. That's the other thing. And when you're in a tourist town, that's expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. expensive. Yeah. So what got you into building saddles? Uh, so there's a story for you. So this goes way back when God was a pup and I was up in the state of Washington and I was working on this ranch and we were doing uh, corn silage for the feedlot. So you harvest that in October and mm-hmm. it's a cold SOB in the mornings and we had some old trucks, no driver's doors on them at all, no brakes. You park them on a hill to start the damn thing and they're horrible. And I'm freezing my butt off. I'm in central state of Washington kind of over there by Wenatchee, and I said, I am not going to have another winter here. I had a friend of mine and his dad with a shop foreman in Lake Worth, Florida. That's a big difference. West, West Palm Beach. <laughs> and he's one, there, we were on Highway 1, so it wasn't half a mile to the beach. I call him up and says, I, I want to get out of the winter. He said, well, come on down here, I'll put you to job. Yeah. So I went down there, and yep, he got me a job in there. I got to be in Florida. I was happy. I didn't care what I was doing. Yes, sir. And they just said, come over here, do this, do that, and walk away. 
and uh, it turned out that I could well, follow directions or figure it out, and it was good, and it was happy. And then, so now the butt of the whole deal is this. First time in weather-recorded history in Miami, it snowed. <laughs> and I froze my butt off in that SOD. And there is nothing down there that has insulation. They don't have heaters. They have nothing down there. And I went to work with all my winter clothes on that I wore when I was doing corn silage up there. For four freaking months. <laughs> and you go home and you open up the stove and take the lid down. And you turn on the stove and you turn every plate up on the top. And you stood right around there and ate whatever you could. And you put on gloves when you went to bed. That was my... Florida so you story. brought winter to Florida. Well, I, I'm responsible for a lot of things, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, and from there, we got out of there uh, about the time Springs and uh, went to Winslow, Arizona. And he opened up a shop there, and I was there for about a year or two. And from there, I went on to several other shops over the years and started my first shop in uh, 1982. So that was a saddle shop that you was working on in Florida. Yeah. Okay. And at that time, good using saddles are about three fifty, maybe four hundred dollars. Uh, ours were about four fifty, and they have a um, the equine business down there is really huge. And what we catered to there was a show world, mm-hmm. a little bit of the cutting. Yeah. And uh, our little uh, nice little saddles were about four hundred and fifty to five hundred dollars. Uh, but our show saddles that had forty to sixty silver conchos on them, silver lace on every bloody thing you can on there, they were fifteen to eighteen hundred. Wow. Yeah. So it was really a good thing in hindsight that I my first uh, experience was learning how to make really nice stuff. Yeah. Not cobble stuff together and yes, sir. You know, just get it to work. So your first shop, did you set it up in Arizona? No, that was in Soap Lake, Washington. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's cool. where I had that for about three years, and I ended up moving it to Ellensburg. Okay. And I was there for about eight years. You said 1986 was when you opened the first shop? 82. 82. Me. So In 86, I moved to Ellensburg. Okay. So 41 years. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. That's, that's a long time to be crafting <laughs> saddles. I was five years old then. Yeah. 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 Hey, you must my be. story. Yeah. 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 You're a great craftsman. Yeah. So, oh. you know the song, I've Been Everywhere? You know that song? I know that song. They wrote it about Stony. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stay one step ahead. Mm-hmm. So, you moved down here to Heiko yep. and uh, you got your saddle shop set up. So, this used to be Bobby Kerr's place. Yes, sir. And you, you're renting it from, does he own it still? No. He? Okay. No, he rented it from a. Really good friend of his, okay. and uh, the current guy still has it. Okay. And uh, that's Jody Littleton, super, super nice guy. Good deal. Uh, and he came from here originally yeah. and uh, had a good career in welding, and um, he has several buildings here in town now. And yeah. One of the big ones that everybody knows is the Jersey Little, and uh, it's a really neat little um cantina type mexican bar and he built that in 1994 wow. wow and it's still there today he doesn't own it yeah but, uh, it's still there yeah. yeah they still has this building here and it's a great building uh, yeah it is yeah. it's really nice yeah yes. yeah so this building you can only see a little part of it but he showed us last time uh up front you're going to open up the retail section as well up yeah, front eventually this year we will okay mm-hmm. probably somewhere around i don't know august or something like that yeah. i'll tell you that that year but i've got 
I've been making right around 12, 13 saddles a year up there mm -hmm. in Wickenburg, which is not near enough. And uh, last time I had checked, I had over 50 on the books. Oh, my goodness. So that means something had to happen. Yeah. And to do that was, uh, you can buy those pants and clothes I have from any old place. We all know that. Right. But there's only one place you can get a stony saddle. Yeah. That's true. And I've got that. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. So what do you do? Yeah. Supply and demand. And I got the only supply, so I sold out all of that. And uh, move down here so I can do nothing but make saddles, and easily I can do 24 a year or more. Wow! Yeah, because yeah, uh, some girls that was up there by you had, that had a shop in Wickenburg, they're going to actually do the retail side. Yes, sir. Here, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. They sure are. And uh, I'm not going to carry much for tack, and what I do carry, most of it's going to be the stuff that I make, or uh, I will buy some quality stuff like um, your pads yeah. and bits and stuff like that, but I'm not going to get heavy into it. But, um, heck, you can't buy a curb strap within 60 miles of here, I don't think. Yeah. You know, the closest is up there to uh, Granbury, Weatherford, and that's about it. So. Yeah, and if you, in most of them places, if you get one, they're too long. Yeah. yeah, they don't and only work. have and only have three uh, holes in them to adjust. Yeah, That's one of my biggest pet peeves on curve chains. So, is like they only have three little holes in them. So why do those guys make them like that? I don't know. Simple. Didn't your grandma tell you, you never trust a skinny cook? Yeah. Why? They don't eat their own cooking. Yeah, that's true. How many of them guys use a curb strap? Yeah. Yeah, none of them. That's well, the reason they make and, it that uh, way. And you know, they're using patterns that was from ninety years ago. Horses oh, no. built, were built way different back then. That's the, what I mean. Yeah. You use the son of a gun. You have your horse run off on you. Mm -hmm. like, who made that damn curb strap? That stupid SOB. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a front foot hung in it. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. How long does it take to make a saddle start to finish? I don't know. <laughs> What's your next question? <laughs> <laughs> next question is, we got some, uh, some sewing machines behind us. How old are they? Oh, oh, that one right behind you, the brown one, it's not that old. It's, yeah. I've had it for about four years or something. And it's, you got to have one of them. I don't like them, but they work. Yeah. Uh, the other one, I don't know how old it is. There's a, uh, it's a Landis number three. Oh, there's um, some patented on there. So it can't be any older than the newest patent. And the newest patent on there is from... Uh, 1911 oh my goodness so it can't be older than 1911 but whether it was made in 1912 or 1938 i mm -hmm. do not know but i'll yeah. guarantee you they quit making those back in the 30s and 40s but it's still kicking yeah it's that's still running good yeah. yeah when that thing doesn't work you know what it is a boat anchor yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah that's not a sentimental deal that is there to make money yeah Mm -hmm. So awesome. would you call yourself like an artist or a craftsman or or just a saddle maker? Well, I don't know. I'm just a saddle maker, I guess. <laughs> so <laughs> you know what an artist does? He says, oh, look, that's just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. Hmm, I wonder how much I can get paid for that. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, yeah. yeah. So everybody sees if you're like, like the stuff that's sitting on the table here. It looks good, isn't it? That mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah, and that's what you look at when you said he's a craftsman, he's an artist, and everything like that. So do you think a guy that builds a house is an artist? Close the door and it won't shut, you're still going to call him an artist? Probably not. Yeah. You're going to call him a piss-poor carpenter, ain't you? Mm -hmm. So what's he got to be first? A manufacturer. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's really what saddle making is, is, is yeah, you, right. you make it from the ground up. Yeah. It, I mean, you make every little piece besides, like, the, the silver and, and yeah, buckles the and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean your trees you don't make here, but you have they're, a speci- they're made my spec specifically made right. the way that you want them. Yes. And if they wasn't the way you wanted them, you'd find somebody else to make them so that they was exactly <clears throat> the way you wanted them. Yeah, and some of the detail you put, it, like your thousandth saddle. If you would have never pointed it out, we probably have never seen it. But oh, yeah. you actually yeah. tooled in one thousand across. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. that's crazy. The uh, uh, the gentleman that uh, Natch Cody, you uh-huh. know, when we seen you there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he has that saddle. I gave that to him to ride okay. on. Oh, Cass his Newman. Horses. Yes. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's got that on his tripping horse, and he's ha- he was having trouble with it. I said, "We'll take that thing and." And two runs that sign and gun has worked perfect ever since. Oh, yeah. Wow. That goes back to, I don't care how good and pretty that is. Mm-hmm. Right. It still has to work. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't just take a piece of junk tree to, and tool the leather really nice to make it, yeah. you know, a nice, you kept doing everything. Yeah. There's the a lot of things way. that comes involved in it and everybody has their own little idea and, um, who's right and who's wrong. That's a matter that's always up for uh, debate in any venue. It doesn't matter what it is. But the first thing that um, you got to realize, I don't care who you are, how big your buckle is, how many patches you got, how many saddles you made, wherever it is, that damn horse doesn't know and he don't care. Yeah. And if it hurts him, it bothers him, he doesn't work. You just get in front of him, show him your buckle, and tell him who you are and see if he starts working again. He ain't going to. It happen, is it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, sir. So um, why stony saddlery and not, why not stone or gym saddlery? Well, I don't know why. It's uh, got to call it something. In my whole life, I've been called Stony. Okay. My last name is Stone, and my dad was too. So Stony is what I've always been called. Well, that's what I put on there for a name. Yeah. yeah. And how it stands out. Yeah. Yeah. You um. You put Rick Salary or Jim Salary on there. That don't catch nobody's eye. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But the Stony seems to hang with a lot of people over the years. Yeah. It has been, and you got a good saying too. Don't be a phony. Ride a Stony. <laughs> yep. Oh, I got a several of them. I got T-shirts that tell you, uh, "Save your pony, ride a Stony." Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they go pretty good, but yeah. What um, what was your favorite saddle that you've built? Haven't made it yet. Yeah. Mm-mm. Right now, the uh, one that I have for my current horse is uh, that's probably got the best seat for my butt, at least, because that's mm-hmm. who I made it for yeah. that I've ever made. And it's one of those deals is, um, you know, there's nothing in this life has made been made perfect yet. Yes, sir. There's always room for improvement. And uh, I've made a lot of saddles for myself, but this one right now, I sit on that thing. It's like sitting in a recliner to my butt. It's mm-hmm. comfortable. I'd rather sit on that thing than sit in the sofa. Yeah, wow. And, um, <clears throat> and I had a gentleman uh, who I got my last horse from, and I had made him a saddle. And He's got a little 12-year-old boy's butt on him and no meat to stay. And he said, oh, I can feel this and I can feel that. And... Uh, so he took that seat and opened it up, and he says, I can fill this, and I did that and took it all off. And I said, okay, whatever makes you happy, you know. Mm-hmm. He'd sit on it. I said, oh, that's better, and try this. And so I'd mm-hmm. sit on it, and gosh, dang it, we got it all done. And I have to say, he was right. I couldn't pay. I did not pay enough attention as he did. Mm-hmm. It didn't bother me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ten times better seat when I was done. And so when I built this one, that's what I did in mine. Wow. Yeah. 
and <clears throat> big difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Like sometimes feedback from customers or anything like that. Sometimes yeah. to you as a creator, well, at least for me, like if when I'm doing video work or something, someone's like, "Hey, maybe try this," and it's like, "Oh, you know," it kind of you're like, "Oh, I'm the creator, and I'm the one who had this idea for this." Oh, but I then never, you go back. Never do that. That's but the worst in the world. You can well, yeah, but that I mean. When I go back and I look at things and I'm like, okay, it, like when you're open, more open-minded and stuff, it not only yes. teaches you a lesson, but I don't know, it's yeah. it's pretty cool that like now that you sat in it, you're like, wow, you know, it's just the yeah. little details like that. Yeah. And it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, everybody likes them old sows and like this and that, and they they don't realize it. It's an antique, mm-hmm. okay, in hindsight. But what it was back then, that was a cutting process. That sow that was made in 1903, that was the top of the line. Right. And then in 1923, it's changed, and it changed, and it changed. That's called evolution, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yes, sir. Yeah. So you want to compare your Dodge truck now to the body T? Or Big model difference. T? Yeah. yeah. But you had to make the Model T before you got to the next one and the next mm-hmm. one and the next right. one until yeah. you have what we have today. And these guys says, nope, this is the way I do because I learned from George or learned from Sam and nobody's ever better than Sam. You're done. Mm-hmm. You're not a master. You're just done learning. Yeah. And that is your fault. Yeah, if you want to be a master in something, you, you can never quit learning. Yeah. Like you, Therefore, you can never be a master. You yeah. will always be a student. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're a student of cooking, what are you going to learn? The different things that are out there that you can mix to make your different meals. Yeah. Right. Yeah, have that different kind of rich flavor, and it could be a cuisine from how many different countries. Yeah. yeah. And learn how to play with them and do all that. Right. And, uh, and to me, in this world, um, it's very simple. Look how the roping has changed mm-hmm. since the 50s and the 60s and the 80s. And uh, rodeo in general. Uh, yeah. yeah, all of it, <clears throat> you know. And look at the bucky stock. Holy yeah. smokes, they didn't have stock like that back mm-hmm. then. You know, hell, just go mm. back to the '80s, the early '80s. Yeah, I, I, I laugh at the um, the deal, the TV broadcast they have yeah. before or back when they bucked. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, they didn't buck back then. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Look at them, what they're doing today. Yes, sir. And uh-huh. what they do for them animals yeah. to make them buck that hard. <clears throat> I mean, them yeah. suckers go to spas and oh, yeah. get yeah. swam, and oh, yeah, they yeah. eat better than yeah. than we do, and yeah. and it's just. You know, back then they was just an animal. Yeah. Now yeah. they are athletes. athletes. Yeah. Well, and same with the cowboys. I mean, they're working out. They're oh, doing. Yeah. You know, they have certain deals that they're warm ups. I mean, you watch Tim O'Connell before. Yeah. Like any rodeo, and he's just. I'm like, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. those guys are like running and like in full gear, just ready right yeah. before they get on. It's oh, yeah. wild. So. Yeah, and they got to because if they don't, the next guy next to them's going yeah. to. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's how they make their living. Yeah. If they're not in shape and be able to to ride them bucking horses that are way better than they was back in the day, yeah. you know, they're not going to get a paycheck. Yeah. Just like if you don't get a saddle finished, you're not getting a paycheck. That's right. Yeah, I figured that out real quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's it's different. Um, you know, the other thing, when I got my own little deal going and I got asked to make some uh, barrel saddles, yeah, and they were uh, trophy one. I first one I had was a trophy one, and then somebody asked for one in that. And um, that's where I first got a little bit of reputation, mm-hmm. somewhat local, in uh, say a 150, 200 mile radius, was barrel saddles. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a pretty simple deal because back then those were some of the worst made saddles in the world. Yeah. Yeah. There ain't nobody that built a saddle that ever rode one. 
and mm-hmm. gave a shit about them. Right. Yeah. And uh, they were always the cheapest saddle. Look at the price tags on them from mm-hmm. back then. You know, they weren't much of a saddle. Yes, and sir. The girls fought with it. And I want a barrel saddle. I don't care what saddle. I want it to fit like a roping saddle. Yeah. Down low on them mm-hmm. and up on top where it's supposed to be, not yeah. sitting in the middle of their back. You take yeah. all the power away from them. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they put their bareback riggings and their saddles clear up on their shoulders, guys? Get away from all that power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when my saddles are made and designed to fit that way and you put them like you're supposed to, mm-hmm. guess what happens? They still have all their power to, to run. Yes. Yeah, they, you are there with them. You're ahead right. of them. Right. behind them. It's better to have a quality saddle that fits one right than a, than light fiberglass ones that everybody's oh, riding. I don't mean yeah. nothing. <laughs> if that was the case, every girl that weighed 110 pounds is going to be in the top 15 of every barrel race everywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. It ain't happening. Never has and never will. Right. Uh-uh. But it's... Uh, <clears throat> Everybody says, well, every little bit counts. No, I'll tell you what counts is what did you feed your horse? What did you exercise your horse? Yeah. How did you haul him? What did you do in the stall to take care of him, rest him up? That is way, way more important on what horse being able to run faster and bigger and better. Yes, sir. Than it is how much your booty is. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I think a lot of them are, are figuring that out. And it's kind of a long way around, but why do you think they got all these little gadgets now that they got the plates they stand them on, they got the deals hanging on mm-hmm. their hip and all the blankets and all this other crap? Because they're trying to get more out of their horse yes, versus sir. trying to get a lighter weight saddle and get a smaller mm-hmm. butt on yourself and do all this and figure out how to jump up and down and, you know, do the splits on them and make them go faster. Yes, sir. No. No. Don't work that way. No, it don't. But, you know. Every horse is different, too. Yes, sir. you got to remember that. That always goes hand in hand with Mm -hmm. it. How many stony saddles do you personally own? Oh, I got this one here. Cass has two of mine that I let him use. Uh, I got a barrel racer on loan to a gal out there in California. That's mine. I got... uh, Another one that I'm letting a kid borrow that's out there in uh, De Leon. And um, I think that's it. So how do I get one that yeah, I can borrow? Can borrow some? You sure can. What size key ring do you want it on? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Hey, that would be cool to have some little mini stony saddles to hang on the rear view mirror. Yeah, that's going to pay my old barbell, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you'd, have to, you'd have to charge like 1500 a piece. Oh, yeah, but. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll discount it down to there. Yeah. But only for you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We can do that. Yeah. You was talking about how all the good sayings that you have. Oh, yeah. So what's your your most used or your favorite saying to say? Oh, it just depends on the subject matter. You got to remember that, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like down here in the south. You get out in Georgia on that, you know. They say, well, bless your little heart. (laughs) What's that pertain to? Yeah. Yeah. Feel sorry for them pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know the little sayings go a long ways. You know, one of those things everybody says they do this and they do that, and, and it, it ain't gonna work. You know mm-hmm. that. You know. Yeah. And you say, well, you know what, partner? Never get up. Never give up on a bad habit just because you've been doing it a long time. That's good. Yeah. So we asked about the age of the sewing machine. Yeah. And we watched a video on YouTube that you did a couple years ago mm-hmm. with a TV reporter. 
and you said you was sewing you was sewing a skid boot. Yeah. And he asked the same question. How old is that sewing machine you're on? You said I don't or yeah. I don't know, and I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I do. I don't not think know. you liked that TV reporter as much as you like us. No, I don't like stupid questions. <laughs> I asked one of them earlier. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things you can be in this world, but I'm not a teacher. Mm-hmm. I don't pretend to be a teacher. I don't want to be a teacher. I'm a horrible teacher. Y'all are gonna hate me even worse when I try to teach you. Yeah. But I'm not there to teach. Okay? Mm-hmm. So why does everybody do this? And I never been asked this question until I moved down there to Wickenburg. And every smart son of a gun that goes in there, because they know everything about anything. And you can ask any question you want, and they can't offend you because they know that. So the first thing they ask is, how long does it take to build a saddle? I said, fine. I get to ask you a question now. Oh, well, that's fine. I said, well, first off, why do you want to know how long it takes to build a saddle? And everybody says the same thing. I don't care how old they are. Which way they vote, I don't, nothing matters. They all have the same reply, which is a mathematical impossibility. If you have 10,000 people ask you the same question, and I ask them back, why do you want to know, they give me exactly the same reply. You know what that is? Just curious. Now, doesn't that sound really odd? Mm-hmm. In 40 years, I never got asked that question until I moved to Wickenburg. And really, what the, probably the real reason is? is because they want to figure out how much you're making per hour to build their saddle. That or when they're going to get their saddle. No, <laughs> no, they have nothing to do with a saddle. Yeah. You're just in there being a, uh, you're having to be a park ranger. Yeah. Well, how come, why, where, and all this kind of garbage. <laughs> what business is it of yours? Oh, just curious. Well, that's fine. Yeah. Go up and talk to the salespeople or something. like. I'm back here working, paying my bills. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're going to go back there and ask that cook, where did you get the meat from? How long is it going to take you to cook that? How long is the stove? But they all had the same question, just curious. I said, yeah, you're wanting to find out how much money I make in a year off the saddle. Well, no, I wasn't. Yeah, you do, because the next question is going to be, where do you get your products from? How much money do you have in a saddle? How much time do you have in a saddle? How long does it take to make it? So no matter what you tell you, they're going to do the math in about 20 minutes. And pretty mm-hmm. soon when they go out that door, do you know how much money he's making? Holy smokes. Yeah. But really, for what your saddles cost, you're not making that much money. You'll never know. You know, but yeah. I mean, I have a pretty good idea on what the stuff costs just because I've been in the industry, you know, and I've bought leathers and stuff from leather shops i mean you probably get a discount because you buy more but that doesn't matter what i'm saying is the time that that it took you to learn the craft the time that it that 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 it took you you know you're getting paid for all that you're not just getting paid for working on that one saddle doctor Mm -hmm. are you paying for all his college tuition and his internship no you're paying him to do your open heart surgery right Mm -hmm. that's all he's asking is to get paid for that yeah so what is he charging you? Isn't he charging you market value? He's charging you for the skills oh, yeah. he has. He's charging you for market value. Yeah. You are, anybody that thinks I get to charge you this much money because I have this much time, it is full of crap. Yeah. yeah. If you're making bean soup and it tastes like shit, you're going to get how much money out of it. I don't care how long you cook that done, how much bacon you got in that. It's still only worth 50 cents a bowl because it tastes like crap. Yeah. And the chef over there, 
You know why his is expensive? It's not because he's got so many years of making it. It's because it's damn good soup. Mm-hmm. The money that you get out of that saddle, you can be down here at this lower end or you can be at the higher end. Mm-hmm. You're not going to make a lower end, middle end saddle and make very long, very many of them for very long and get high end prices. Because right. the market will not allow it. Yeah. So it goes back to like I told you earlier when you're setting up. Quit sanding the bottom of that fence post. It's not going to be a better fence, is it? You're going to charge me for sanding that fence post, aren't you? Is what right. you're saying. Because of the time it took you to put into it. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah. All it has to do is keep the horses in and look nice mm-hmm. and last. Right. If it doesn't have those values, nothing else matters. It's not a better fence. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. And that goes back to your tree. You can't use a junker tree. Mm-mm. and make a most beautiful, gorgeous saddle that's tooled to the death and the whole thing and fits like crap. You can, but you're not going to last. You're, oh, yeah. yeah, you're not going to be doing that. You know? And 90% of the guys that build saddles, they build them at home, don't they? Mm-hmm. Right. Why is that? So they can take How the little you can spend to create profit. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do rent. You don't have to have renter's insurance. You don't have to have a separate phone. Mm-hmm. You don't have to support the town. There's a reason that you've been in the industry for 40 years. And successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, because you, you haven't ever done anything else in them 40 years, probably. Yeah, build I saddles. a little bit. Yeah, I had a bout with cancer, and I had to get completely out of it for a few years. Mm-hmm. And um, I did some other things. That was another eye-opener for me. But um, I learned a lot from there, and... Uh, the thing about that is I learned what my true value is. And I made a heck of a lot of money doing it, and I got put in some very high responsible uh, positions. Um, and that's not something I'm going to go into because it would take you four of these podcasts to do to figure it out. But I learned a lot from there, and that really helped me when I – went back and opened up my saddle shop the rest of the way again. Yes, I did a few of it still, but I didn't have it open to the general public. Yeah. But I got back into it, and it says, this is the way it has to work. Yeah. And, uh, but that was um, a life experience that i really glad I did do mm-hmm. and learned a lot of. You have to be very affirm in your decisions and why you do what you do how you want. Yes, sir. And it's not because you like to do it. No, I'm bullcrap. That's uh-huh. a hobby. Yeah. That's a hobby. But at what point did you realize what you were worth? Uh, in the saddles? <clears throat> is, um, I came back uh, from that little deal when I was done with that and went to work in a uh, saddle shop. And uh, my name wasn't on the saddles, of course. I was just an mm-hmm. employee there. And I had people coming to me asking me, to make a saddle that's had stony on it and um, they hit me up pretty bad on the deal and uh, I had no idea what to charge and I just went I had things paid for I was okay I just doubled my old prices so if it was two thousand dollars I went to four and if this option was five hundred I said a thousand they said fine I went holy smokes you know so if you don't get out there in the real world and test your stuff what's your net worth? Because here's the deal. You think you're worth X amount, and you get out there in the real world, and you find out you're not? That's mm-hmm. a big eye-opener, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, that's an overinflated ego. 
that means you do not know, you did not research your uh, venue very good mm -hmm. to know what it is. Right. But what's the other way around? You're leaving a lot of money out there on the plate, aren't you? Yeah. Whose fault's that? Your own. Your own. Yes, both of them are your fault. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. This has nothing to do for the love of everything. Mm -hmm. This has to make your living. You got to pay the bills. Got to put the kids through school. You got to do all these things. Yes, sir. Isn't that more important than whether or not you love it? Because mm -hmm. you can love that thing to death and still go broke and be homeless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you find the people that support you. We were we were having this conversation on the way here, actually. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> as a freelance videographer or what we do, you know, there's... It just seems like we've had a lot of opportunity to go shoot content, like shooting videos and stuff, yeah. you know. But yeah. it's always been one of the things I struggle with personally is is like being told no. Yeah. You know, I try to to lower my prices to accumulate whatever it is them to for them to say yes, you know. I'm scared of the word no. But don't be. Yeah, be see, scared be scared of not saying no. Because if you do this and you're doing it at their price that they're wanting to pay you, is that the customer you want? No. Well, and you're not working for yourself anymore. You're working for them. Right. Well, no, it's worse than that. Well, mm -hmm. because you, you're going to go broke in six months. Yeah. And not know it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Because you have to buy another this, another that. Next thing you know, you don't have enough profit to do this. You're going to have trouble paying that truck payment at the end of the month. And it might mm -hmm. be four months from now. Right. Now you're in the hole because you grabbed that credit card out. Now, how are you going to dig yourself out of that? You have to raise those prices. Right. Again, anything in this role, I don't care if it's a gidget or widget, is based off of two things and two things only, and I don't care what professor and what college you go to do this. It's based on supply and demand. Yes, sir. Everything in this world is based upon that. So why does everybody build saddles at home? Again, how hard do you want to work? Mm -hmm. And you're going to sell to who? Friends and family and neighbors. Yeah, because you, you can't market yourself as much. I mean, you, you can't market yourself at all. Yeah, I mean, you, you, can, you can do what little bit in the internet. Yeah. But that's about it. But uh, everybody's going to come around. Well, we'll go out to George there. Maybe he's there. Maybe he's not. Mm -hmm. You go out there four times and he's not. Four he's different probably, days during the week. He's probably not building saddles in. Well, he is. Is he doing it for a living? Well, yeah, but. What do you do when you don't want to work that hard? You have to change your standard of living to fit how much you want to work. Yes, sir. There's a, there's a lot of different things. You know, why do I have the things I have in here? It, it's to earn a living. Mm -hmm. And uh, it goes back to how little you want to pay to create profit. One of the little sayings that I have, and um, you want to be a ditch digger. Now, you can go out and get yourself five shovels and four guys work for minimum wage. How much money you got into this? Their day's wages and the cost of those five shovels. Mm -hmm. How much ditch can you dig in that day? And you get paid by the running foot. Yeah. But you keep doing that. All you do is buy more shovels and get a few more guys. And Sam over here, you know what he does? Went and bought an excavator. excavator. No. <clears throat> he went and figured out what excavator he needs. Mm -hmm. But he can't afford that one. So he goes out there and he finds an excavator that he can afford. And he gets creative. He figures out how to get somebody to help him with that. Maybe borrow a little of this, borrow a little of that. This sounded going kind to of work. I'll have to put five gallons of oil into it twice a day. Mm -hmm. And he gets 
one guy to come out there with a shovel, but he can still dig more ditches in a day than else can. Mm -hmm. You know what he does in six months to a year? He gets a little bit better used backhoe. Mm -hmm. And he swaps that one off. So now he gets what? He gets another little dump truck. So now he's got a dump truck with his backhoe. And what's he do in three years? He's able to get that JD 880 brand new one. Mm -hmm. And now he keeps that other one back there for a backup when the JD guests go in to have work on there. How much can he dig in a day? A hell of a lot. Mm -hmm. okay. How, a whole lot more than them five guys and five shovels. And he didn't go in so damn deep. He went upside down to get that JD 880. Mm -hmm. but how did he know he needed to go that way to get to the 880? You don't up. know what the end game plan is, where you want to be. How are you going to get there? Mm -hmm. Just go ahead and put that big old motor on your boat and take the rudder off and turn it out there and go around and around. Tell me you're a fisherman. You can't even make it back into the shore. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the reason I have what I have. Yeah. Mm. So while we're on the topic of, like, good advice, yeah. what, what would you give um, your, young, like your younger self? Say, in your 20s, what advice would you look back and give yourself now? Get the hell out of a bad deal faster. What was that bad deal? Oh, anything can be a bad deal. It can be, uh, it can be a bad relationship on a personal level. It can be a bad deal in a partnership. Mm -hmm. It can be a bad deal in a business relationship. It can be a bad deal because of the location or the building that you have. If this isn't working to what you think it needs to be, get the heck out of there. Yes, sir. I've been told my whole life that I'm stupid because I don't stay very long in one place. You're there five or six years, and then you leave. Well, hell yeah, because it's not working out. Mm -hmm. And if you don't realize where your goals are and you don't have those to attain, you're going to sit there and say, well, I guess this is as good as it's going to get and just sit here and just keep all rubbing that red spot on your forehead on the wall? Mm -hmm. Or do you say, no, I want something bigger and better for me? Yes, sir. And if I would have done all those things sooner, again, what are you worth? Think of what you are, not those other people. Right. But make sure that you are wherever you are at and wherever you're in. Is it a better position to set yourself into? And you probably shouldn't bail out until you mm -hmm. have an idea of a better way right. yes, to go. And then you can move forward. Because remember this, you may not move forward but you're not going to be going backwards either. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yes, sir. You, you've got to learn to do that. And mm -hmm. it's a, don't worry about what the other people think. And everybody's going to be a negative. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and you don't surround yourself with those people. And right. Unfortunately, when you're in business and you guys are in business too, you get around some of those people and you got to learn to tip, don't tiptoe around them, but say politely, have a nice day. Mm -hmm. Take the negatives out of your life. That's right. You know, it's not just the negatives, but take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about them. Yeah. They're not there to support you. They're not there to say, hey, man, I want you to be here the next time I come back. They're, they're not that kind of people. Yes, sir. And if you run a good business, they want you to be there the next time. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people in, in my little world that uh, first thing they do when they come in there, hey, I want the buddy deal. You know, man, we've been friends, you know, and this is all I can spend. No, that's all you're willing to spend. Mm -hmm. right? That's not all you can spend. I seen a deal on Facebook the other day, and it said, you can be selling uh, 
something for a thousand dollars, but your friends uh, will buy it somewhere else for yeah. two thousand because you wouldn't sell it to them for five hundred. Yeah. Oh yeah. So hundred percent truth. <clears throat> oh, it's all that way. True. I've had them come in there and say, "Man, you got some nice saddle pads over there. You know, you give me a hell of a deal. I'll buy three of them." I said, "Why? So I can go broke faster." I also told her, go get the newspaper. They got the flea market and all the uh, used yard signs. Classifieds. For you. Yeah. yeah. Man. She didn't come in there to buy anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Yes, sir. I think, too, uh, <clears throat> you know, like specific jobs, too. You, say you, you know, you, you personally, you sell, say you sell a saddle for less than what you sell it now. You're doing more work in the long run for less money yeah. than, yeah. and I think it's hard for any anyone in any any kind of industry. Like, as for coming up with prices and stuff and understanding your worth, yeah. to because for the three people that say no, the one person that says yes that month could have paid for those three no's. Oh yeah, yeah, that happens all the time. And, and I think that's like my deal is like, <clears throat> I don't I don't fully grasp that until I get one of those jobs and it's like holy smokes. Yeah. Why didn't I just have more faith? And it's and the other deal that goes along with that is, uh, uh, don't be stupid. Right. Here's the deal: if you get 15 no's in a row, you might want to start thinking about what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Am I pricing myself out? Do I not have the right market that I'm trying to target? Yes, sir. Do I need to do something to make it more um, palatable for them mm-hmm. at this price range? Or maybe you just price yourself way out of what it is worth. Yeah. And you have to go through all of those first. But when you get the good people that come in there and you get um, the more you play around with your marketing and stuff like that, you get a whole different kind of audience and you start getting way more yeses and you do no's. Well, then yes, sir. guess what the problem was? It wasn't you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the market that you were in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So we've talked a lot about like your success in in saddle making. Let's talk about some of the successes you've had in the arena, roping steers. Oh, I've had a little bit. I ain't gonna say I got any um, huge qualifications or nothing like that, but I've done fairly well. Uh, oh, when is it? It was in the late '80s or 1990 when I first started uh, tripping steers. Yes, sir. And uh, I went to the first three circuit finals that they had. Uh, in the Columbia River circuit. And um, I think the last one is in 93 or something like that. And then um, I qualified again in 2015. So I thought that was a pretty big gap to That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's get good. old or wrinkled up on and still be able to go to. So yeah. are you still tripping steers? or I've got a tripping horse, and I didn't trip on him since I've got him. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had that opportunity, but you can head and heel on him. And Yes, sir. Uh, I haven't gone to very many ropings, but I've... I want a little bit of money, not enough to pay for him because he cost a lot of money. But yeah. yeah, you know, I'm ahead of the game still, mm-hmm. yeah, and so that's a good deal. But uh, and that's the other reason I wanted out. I want to come down here. There's a lot more more oh, tripping heck, around a lot here. More to do it, and um, everybody wants to say, "Well, how did you learn how to build a saddle?" I learned a lot of different ways to build a saddle because I worked in a lot of different shops. Mm-hmm. How did I learn how to build the saddle that I build today? Because of the horses I was riding. Yeah. The horse is, like I said, it doesn't care who you are. You just go ahead and get on that big old sorrel son of a gun and go out there and 
jump on him and you knock something down you get off jump off and he runs off on there he does that about five times in a row when he bucks and does all that what are you going to do you're going to keep entering and going and spending yourself a thousand fifteen hundred a weekend Mm-mm. or are you going to go get some help and it ain't his feet and it ain't his tongue his mouth mm-hmm. his bit you're going to do one of two things you're going to start looking at that saddle and what you got going for fitting you're going to try something different and have some different ideas on it or are you going to quit doing it and just go back to build saddles and say, look who rides my saddle? Right, yes, sir. <clears throat> the customer is the horse mm-hmm. first. He yeah. can't compensate yeah. for nothing. So what, what pros do you got riding your saddles? Oh, heck, I don't know. I don't really try to keep track of that. Uh, one of the trees back here is for uh, Troy Tillard, and he's been to uh, the Steer Roping Finals a few times. Uh, the guy I got my horse from is, is um, a good friend of mine, Chris, and he's been uh, a couple times, and he's got, I think, three or four of the saddles like that. Uh, There's some trophy saddles that I have made uh, that some of those guys are riding, which is unusual. Mm-hmm. And, um, but um, in the team roping, and uh, uh, I think maybe in the bulldogging, there's a couple that have been to the finals. I have quite a bit on that, but, you know, I just hate to drop names. Yes, yeah. sir. Just, you know, I take my pride in. When they come in that door, they're happy. They want another one or mm-hmm. somebody wrote it. And uh, I've had several bulldoggers say, I rode so-and-so saddle, and, man, I want them like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a compliment. That's and awesome. the deal is, is they don't say, uh, can I get a discount? Or, man, boy, I can get you some publicity. I can sell these saddles. Well, I don't think I have a problem. You did find me pretty good, didn't you? There's right. <laughs> Yes, sir. Um, and <clears throat> that shows me is the more you try to market to sell it, guess what they're going to do? the more they're going to try to knock you down. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, they, they think if you got to market a bunch, then then you're hurting. Oh, for yeah. yeah. I can get them out there for you. You just yeah. look at me. Yeah, you take yes, care sir. of me. Guess who they're going to send to you? Are their buddies to come over there and, hey, he gave me a deal. He'll give you one. That's Use right. my name. And that's, that's what right. happens on yep. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think with what you just said, <clears throat> goes along with what we were talking about earlier, too, with the backhoe thing, you know? Like, you're only as good as your equipment. Oh, yeah. So, Definitely. you know, imagine a team roper who's riding a saddle that's hurting his horse, and then yeah. he, you know, yeah. has a good saddle or whatever. Same thing with, you know, in business. Like, it is. <clears throat> the first couple podcasts we did, we had crappy equipment. And then, you know, by our third podcast, oh. we oh. ended up biting the bullet. But now it's just like yeah. it saves more time yeah. in post production. And it also, it's just a better experience for, yeah. for everybody, for us, our guests. Mm-hmm. So it's just in any, in any scenario, just, having the right equipment oh yeah allows you to become greater at whatever it is that you're doing well yeah that's pretty hard to be you know bread maker with dull knives yes sir yeah you can make a pretty good biscuit out of it the third time around but you ain't gonna make a sandwich yeah and it's true you know and i got that big clicker back there and they're pretty expensive and uh there's a lot of people that have clickers and um they do uh they're good businessmen and those dies are very, very expensive. And I have about $27,000 in those dies. That clicker only costs you about five grand. Now, what if I didn't want to put about two or $3,000 in dies? How much use am I getting out of that clicker? Not much. Not very damn much at all. Right. But those $25,000 in dies. Makes that $5,000 clicker worth a whole lot more. Yeah. And I've had... Uh, 
majority of my dyes, I first got those dyes in, uh, it would have been in December, I think 2008. And um, I've never had to send one back to get sharpened. I've never had to have one back to get welded on. And uh, since I've gotten the dyes, I have made um, over 500 saddles. Wow. You know, and you figure those that are um, four to $6,000 a piece. Mm-hmm. Divide that into that $27,000. There's not one thing back there that owes me a dime. Mm-hmm. Right. I could throw them away and still be way money ahead. Yep. Yeah. But that made me a way better saddle maker. Yes, sir. Because mm-hmm. every piece is the same from saddle to saddle to saddle. And faster. Mm-hmm. And quicker. Yeah, and you yeah. don't have to cut them every one of them out by hand. Right. No, no I always said <laughs> if I lose that clicker and lose my dyes, I'm going to just go to McDonald's and flip hamburgers. I ain't <laughs> never going to cut a dead cow again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Speaking of tools, what is the most tool, like the tool you use the most in saddle making besides your hands? Probably your round knife. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and fortunately, the art of that is kind of gone. And there's always been two kinds of guys with leather and ones that can run a straight knife really good. And the round knives, they just use it to cut the end off of something, you know, like the length of the reins or loudings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then the other guys are opposite. They're really good with a round knife. They can do anything in the world. And they can't put butter on bread with a straight knife. They're horrible with it. Never did figure out how to sharpen and run them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the round knives are from way, way long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that is a lost art now. And they got a bunch of tools out there that, you know, the guys that are working with uh, hobby craft stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they're using thin leather and they're doing the belts and billfolds and stuff like that. Yeah, and um, they're using these straight blunt knives that are from two inches, inch and a half wide like that, and they're just shoving them straight through. Well, that's a nail. Knives slice. Right. And a round knife, you can do that because you slice it at an angle. Yes, sir. But you can get away with that when you're doing the slices and the tices and, oh, look at this. This is the cutest little thing in the world, you know. <laughs> and you get into making your heavy stuff like this, harnesses and mm-hmm. this stuff here. No, you got to learn how to sharpen that stuff, and it will really save a lot of work. But yes, sir. you got to cut a lot of dead cows to do it, and mm-hmm. it isn't mean 10 or 20 of them a year. Uh, yes, that sir. ain't going to do it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You said something earlier that made a lot of sense that I feel like is overlooked a lot of times, and it was um, that a little bit. The er- smallest changes yes. usually make the biggest difference. And all points of uh, in your relationship with uh, people, uh, other businesses that you're doing business with, mm-hmm. and um, and your horses. Yeah, you know you hear all these things about how sensitive animals are, and they are. And you know the one thing is probably true. I have no reason to, to think different. But a horse can hear a human's. A heartbeat from four feet away. Mm-hmm. What the hell can they hear on you when you're on their back? Yeah. You know, and so you remember this little story, don't you? You know, dogs are pretty good about reading people, aren't they? Mm-hmm. If your dog doesn't like your new girlfriend, you don't get a new dog. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, animals are probably the most easy person or people or thing they're not people or things but (laughs) like 
<clears throat> they can read somebody better than we ever can. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, there's nothing to impair that on them. Mm-hmm. You know, that good-looking old heifer over there, she has several things that can impair your way of thinking. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you know, the saying that the way your horse acts or the way your dog acts is a very good representation of who you are. And I mean, so I got this horse, this head horse that um, I've had for not very long now. Yeah. And he came from a very, I mean, the way he acts, he had to come from something really bad. And I've been told that, you know, he came from somebody that would, every time they'd miss, they'd just go to whooping on him. Yeah. And you can tell that. And he's got so much of a trust issue that yeah. I'm having to try to work through with him. Yeah. And, you know, it's... I have to give 112% of showing him that he can trust me to get back what somebody just put 5% in of beating him. Yeah. Well, just think about it when you're a little kid and, you know, your mom had that rotten boyfriend and all he did is knock you down. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next boyfriend comes along and he's got to work a lot harder to get your trust. Yeah. Everybody understands that. But why would that not be the same with a horse? Yeah. Or your dogs. And it's probably even ten times harder because, like you said, they can feel every bit of your heartbeat and, you know. Yeah. They have a whole different sensory array than what we do. Yeah. Mine's pretty poor. I'll guarantee you that. But Mm -hmm. I'm trying to work on it. Yes, sir. That's all we can do. That's right. And and it's a toughie. And um, in business, that's a real tough deal. Yes, sir. You know, because there's always are the, who's trying to get advantage of who versus that good relationship. Yeah. You know, and, and those are the people you go back to all the time mm-hmm. because they you got that really good uh, um, get along attitude with them, and they do with you. You know, and the trust goes both ways. Yeah. And if you can do that with uh, repeat customers, uh, that turned into more than just a customer then that's a base. Yeah. That's your reputation. And you can put all the YouTube videos you want on there. You can post all the Instagram crap you want, and that will never take the place of that. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think is missing in a lot of things anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I try to do everything I can with what I got here and get things across. And uh, I don't want a sales... Uh, pitch I want to educate you because mm-hmm. you know? everybody says well why does this do what it does and this pe- person told me that and this person told me this and about saddle fit or quality and all that and uh, what we had a little bit ago about you know how a saddle should ride and help you and all this mm-hmm. kind of deal if you don't know to look for those things then why should you buy a saddle from whoever mm-hmm. right yeah yeah. And I don't want to sell a saddle to you because you're going to ride it just like that junker one you had before. Mm-hmm. And you never gain anything Yeah, because you never learned. Yeah, I mean, we was talking about that earlier. Like, I personally don't have one of your saddles yet. I'm on the list in that yeah. 50 saddles. But, yeah. you know, the reason I want to buy a saddle from you is, is the um, reason that you explained why my saddles do what they do. Yeah. And why yours will help me fix yeah. the, them things that's making me happen. Well, and then you go over there, <clears throat> and you're able to sit on one. Mm-hmm. And you can just tell a difference from you just telling them, hey, it's the littlest things. It's like what you said. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah like, 
for instance, I said on a saddle over here that's Stoney's personal saddle, and and like as soon as I sat in it, it felt like I was setting in something that was built for me, and it wasn't even built for me. And like I stood up. That's the main. I think everybody does that when they sit in the saddle as they stand up. And I stood up, and I didn't fall forward, and I didn't fall back. Yeah. I stood up like I was standing up out of this chair on solid ground. Yeah. And it's on a stand that's not tied to, and it didn't roll when I got on it. It's just it. And, you know, you could put that probably on any horse or any stand in, in general. In, in general right. And it fit the way it's supposed to. And have you ever noticed every time everybody... Um, sitting on a saddle, I don't care if he's on a horse or not. When you tell him to stand up, the first thing they do is lean way forward mm-hmm. and then put their head up in the air. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not standing up. Mm-hmm. I did it when I when I sat on that one earlier. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because why did you lean forward? Because we don't trust what we're sitting on. Because you would fall. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But once I figured out that you know I okay. could stand it, stand up in it, and it it not fall make me fall back or fall forward yeah. you know i could actually stand up the the way you're supposed to yeah that's how you go up a set of stairs mm-hmm. you go off the ball of your feet and that's what pushes you up right yes sir and if you go up a ladder do you go with your uh and not a wooden ladder but the little aluminum mm-hmm. ones don't you shove your foot all the way into the heel mm-hmm. and how do you go up your toes go down don't you toes down go up and then bring it up why do you think it doesn't do that in the saddle Still the same thing. Still does. If you can't put your foot all the way in and have your mm-hmm. toes go down to pull yourself up, <clears throat> then the saddle is not allowing you to do that. Mm-hmm. That's not a correctly bait saddle. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huge difference. We've learned so much. Yeah, we have. <laughs> uh, it, there's a lot of it. And, uh, you know, anybody that teaches you anything in our little world here, I don't mean saddles, but and we're all in the roping world and stuff right. like that. They are so adamant about the little details, mm-hmm. the little things, you know, get over your calf, you know, just because it's a little calf like Cody did the other day down mm-hmm. there, you know, stay over the top of them when you flank them instead of throwing them out in front of you and then going over him. Mm-hmm. That can cost you time. Right. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Very sure. Very much so. Yeah. I think, I think with what you said, <clears throat> with just the littlest, littlest thing can make yeah. the biggest difference it's in time in any kind of effort in anything it's like you said i mean even roping, business relationship everything roping. Yeah. i mean heck i mean just in five minutes over there you showed me 30 different things that was wrong with my roping yeah. well, no, it, wasn't wrong. It, it, it was places that you can improve on right yeah. but but the second that he did it i you could just you could you know? yeah you could see a difference yeah and that's a hard thing to do on your own Mm -hmm. It's a really hard thing to do on your own. Yeah. You know, and um, either somebody pointed it out to them or somebody said, let's try Mm -hmm. this. Or a lot of those guys, well, I'm going to do something different today. I'm going to see how this works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But I'm constantly looking at, you know, my saddle manufacturer. What can I do to make this a a better saddle? Yeah. Whether it's for the rider, it's for your butt, uh, for the horse. Uh, for the discipline that you're doing, right. you know, bell racer wants a whole different kind of seat and fender hanging on them than uh, somebody does. That's a steer wrestler, right? And one of those deals, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely do. Yeah, 
and, uh, and hopefully we'll just keep doing it over the years. And uh, your ultimate goal is to always make each saddle better than the last one. It's not to make the best saddle that you ever will in your life. Because mm -hmm. you can't. You never will. Yeah. Mm -mm. <clears throat> I think there's so many saddle makers out there or names on saddles. There is, yeah. There, there's not a whole lot of, like, actual saddle makers that want to perfect their craft and do it to the best of their ability. Well, they are. They're to them. They're this yeah. is their right. realm. <clears throat> this is their perfection, you mm -hmm. know, and... Uh, it's a growing process, and you either have to do a lot of things, and people have to order something that's going to challenge you. Yeah. Bring it up and says, "Hey, this is really nice, but this here isn't working." Mm -hmm. And if they don't, and everything that you make is the same thing over and over because it works, you know. Remember what I said about that little sore spot on your forehead? Mm -hmm. Don't give up on it because you've been doing it a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that out there in the saddle world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It goes back to skinny cooks. Yeah. Because they don't know what to change or improve upon if their customers don't challenge them to that. Yeah. Well, and you got to be open, like you said earlier, uh, to, to change. Yeah. Yeah. They, they can't tell me what needs to change exactly. Like, I want you to take this nail out or move this screw. But they can say, this ain't right here. I'm feeling this or doing this. Right. Or I'm having issues with mm -hmm. that. That is uh, a chance for you as um, a mechanic or whatever you want to call it. To rise to the occasion, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if if you want to listen to the customers that ride your saddles, and you know they told you told you like what they think could be improved on, or what what they was feeling, if you wouldn't have did any action to that, you would still be stuck in in oh, yeah. what you was doing, and you probably wouldn't be here today. Yeah, yeah. but it's one of those deals too. It's. Uh, so you asked about my success in the arena, and I've had a little bit, nothing that I'm going to brag about. Been too busy building saddles. But let me put it to you like this. Do you think a good race car driver is a good race car mechanic? Probably not. Think a race car mechanic is a good race car driver? No, sir. But what if that race car mechanic says, hey, give me the keys. I'm going to take it for a spin. Mm -hmm. And he takes it up there to that 180, 210, and it does whatever it says. He's going to come back. You know what he's going to say? Come back tomorrow, I'll have this fixed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Skinny Cook says, well, what do you think is wrong? Okay, I'll fix it. Mm -hmm. No. You don't have to be uh, A.J. Foyt, race car driver, good. But you better get your ass in that saddle, or uh, yeah, in the saddle, or in that race car, and get that sun gun up there at that level. Yeah. And that doesn't mean 85, 120 miles an hour. That means at 185 miles an hour, you better be able to do that. And if you want to know if this saddle drops the bullet on you when you're mm -hmm. competing, get on there and go out there on that big-time horse that doesn't wait for you to ride. You better have yourself a seat and better grab your butt on there, and now you're going to find out how good your equipment is or isn't. Yes, right? sir. And if you put your toes down and you fall mm -hmm. forward on there and he's running like a dirty dog to the sun gun at the third light pole and you're fixing to fall off, you're going to go back and say, I'm going to take the saddle in this back room and work on it. I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that is going to propel every individual higher up in their endeavors, in yeah. my opinion. Yes, sir. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very much. And your equipment that you use to manufacture goes with it hand in hand. Very much so. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. The magic man. The magic man. Yeah, yeah. 
Stony. <laughs> Saddle magic. Gemstone. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Jim, we appreciate you uh, having us here in your shop and setting up right here on the table where you make it happen. Oh, yeah. I cut up all the dead cows <laughs> right here. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate having you over. And, yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Just a good time. And I hope everybody out there enjoys listening too. Oh, they yeah, will. I think there they was will. lots of great information, <clears throat> motivation. I felt like I'm ready to go start a business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we already got one started, so yeah, let's just improve ours. Yeah, just improve ours. <laughs> Having more confidence and knowing my worth, especially, is what I definitely got. So I appreciate yeah. your, your yeah. encouragement and words of advice too. And you are a great teacher, even though you think you're not. So. Yeah, I just don't want to be one. Yeah. Well, with that being said, the way that we end our podcast is we usually uh, ask our guest what the first song is that comes to their mind, and then we sing the song together. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I have no idea on that one. <laughs> we'll give you some time. What's your, what's your favorite song? I don't have one. You don't ever listen to the radio when you're... Shoot, he's oh, got the radio playing all the time. All the time, and it's just noise most of the time Yeah. me. There's not a lot of it that I hear at all, you know, the words and stuff. I, especially down here, and I love the Texas music. Yeah. I don't care. This isn't the top 60 or 80 or something like that. Yeah. And it's so many songs that I have not heard, and some of those in, in 15 years. Yes, right. sir. And there's so many more new artists out there. There that is. just do a fantastic job that... Yep. I really, really like their songs, but I sure don't know the words to none of them. Right. They haven't heard it enough. <laughs> yeah. We got we got to sing a song. <laughs> we'll start a singing it. What's for? What, okay, classic country. What's first song that comes to your mind? Shoot, I don't know. Who's your favorite artist? Oh, I don't really have one. Of course, George Strait is. George Strait. Yeah. All right, let's start there. What I'm gonna do? I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick one because you'll know it, and we're gonna sing it. Is that cool? Well, I don't sing, but you. Can. Well, you're singing. <laughs> you you're singing. Sing. You can sing. <laughs> you're the magic man. All right, here we go. We really shouldn't be doing this. No, By that's George right. Strait. We shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Stony. Here we go. We really shouldn't be doing this, and we both know why. Just being close enough to think like this, enough to make you need to lie. This kind of talk will lead us to somewhere. We're getting way too close to going there. The farther off, the better to resist. We really shouldn't be doing this. Oh, well, we appreciate y'all checking in, sticking around, and listening to another episode of the Everything Rodeo Podcast live in Stony Salary. And we did it, even though we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> yeah, that was a little, that was a little uh, rusty, but it we gave it a good shot. We gave it all we got. That's, That's right. what matters. <laughs> Well, thanks again for uh, letting us uh, invade your shop. And uh, if you guys need a quality saddle, come down here and see Mr. Jim Stone in Heiko, Texas, uh, Stony Salary. And always remember, don't be a phony, ride a Stony. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yes, sir. We really shouldn't be doing.